The I Am Independent podcast with Loretta and Bianca. Stories, advice and discussions to resource, encourage and support independent music artists. Singing lessons, warming up your voice, looking after your voice. All of these are things that every singer, rapper or speaker knows they should do but it's amazing how many do not make it a priority. However, we've all heard stories of artists having to cancel tours and even having to face surgery due to vocal problems. Vocal health is imperative if you take your music career seriously. So we thought we'd chat to someone who knows her stuff. She also happens to be Loretta's twin sister. Natasha Andrews Hendry is a vocal coach, a choir leader, a session singer, and is currently studying for a master's in music psychology. She's worked with pop stars, housewives, children and those with special needs so she has a great understanding of the voice this is an important and useful episode and to kick off our new season of the podcast it's one you're going to need to take notes to so enjoy don't feel bad about what you haven't done in terms of vocal warm-ups and vocal health just make up your mind to change things and start looking after your voice and taking vocal health seriously from here on in have a listen Welcome to the I Am Independent podcast with Loretta and Bianca. So today we have Loretta's awesome twin sister. Curly version. Curly version, version, yes. And you'll have actually heard from Natasha before yeah. when she spoke to us about mental health. Mm. Uh, it's actually one of our most popular it is. videos. It is. It turned up in our best nine of 2019. Yeah, um, Tash mm. is at the moment doing a master's in psychology and music. In fact, I'll let you say a bit more about what you do in terms of that in, as a little overview. But we are today going to be focusing on uh, vocal health and vocal coaching because that's um, what Natasha does. But yeah, do you want to say a little bit of an overview about the other stuff you do and an intro into this yeah so I guess I've been working as a vocal coach for about a long time now well over 20 years Um, and I have recently in the last year actually graduated from a psychology degree um, and that came after vocal coach for many years and actually seeing that psychology is a really big part of Mm. singing Um, and I wanted to put the, well, I did actually initially didn't want to put the two together. I just realised that psychology, singing brought up in a, a lot of things in a lot of people. Um, it's a very vulnerable thing to do. It seemed to unlock things in people. So I, I got interested in psychology, actually, truth be told, as a separate thing from music. Mm. And when I got to the end of my four years of psychology training and thought this might be a separate new career path... Um, I stumbled across music psychology, which was amazing because I realised the two work together. So I did my dissertation on the well-being benefits of singing, which I found fascinating, and um, have consequently gone on to do a master's or starter master's, which I'll be doing for the next two years, in music psychology and education, performance and well-being which basically are all the three areas I'm super interested in connected with singing and artistry. So, yeah, just started. We'll see how it goes. It might be good as well um, just to talk about, like, you know, the kind of level that you've done performance to yourself as an artist and some of the artists that you, you've worked with because you've obviously had quite a long career in music. Yeah, well, I guess I started out doing backing singing and um, generally doing 
choral stuff. So back in the day, show my age now, when Top of the Pops was on, although it made a comeback. It, it did make a comeback this it year, did. a little, but uh, yes, I remember doing backing vocals for artists on Top of the Pops, and I really moved into vocal coaching um, as something to really go alongside um, singing work, because as most of us know, especially independent artists, yeah. it's not a nine-to-five job mm-hmm. that has security and all of the work that you want available. So I kind of moved into vocal coaching because there wasn't enough just singing work around, but um, I still sang, I loved it. I have worked with artists such as Madonna and Take That and Diana Ross. Um, can't think of any other names at the moment. Um, that started teaching and um, actually went straight in with teaching some artists that frequent the charts, but also just some absolute beginners as well, improvers, and really enjoyed teaching people at whatever level they're at. And that's one of the things that's fascinating for me as a vocal coach, is seeing the uniqueness of the voice and the the journey that it can go on because I do think and we'll probably talk about this more later there's a bit of a myth that you either sing or can't sing and you have the ability you have given that's it or you don't mm-hmm. and then you don't realize how much that can be extended and nurtured mm-hmm. and change across the journey mm-hmm. of your career and it's very dependent on how much time you put into it as well and that's a bit that artists aren't that good at. Well, not that good at that. <laughs> we like all the nice and fun bits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Who wants to be working out? But vocally, it's one of the things you got to do if you want to see the results. Yeah. And what about your own vocal journey? Like, did you always know you could sing? Have, how has the relationship with your own voice changed? And how has that informed you when you're teaching and working with other voices? Yeah, it has really changed. I think I started out always wanting to sing. But like many singers, I've come across kind of wanting a voice that I didn't have (laughs) and feeling very jealous of all these, in my eyes, voices that were much better, much bigger, much more versatile than mine. Um, And I think for a lot of my late teens, that's how I felt. Um, And it was only really when I started to teach and help others on their journey, I realised that that type of thinking was really holding me back. And rather than working on what was my skill base and how could I nurture that and really get that to the best level it could be, stop trying to be someone else and sound like someone else and embrace my own voice. Um, It was when I did that that actually I began to unlock things in my own voice and see it improve and learn to love my voice as well. Um, So fortunately, perhaps it's partly age as well. Um, I've stopped trying to be someone else. Um, (laughs) I do enjoy my voice, but I enjoy and love other people's voices. And I think I can have a healthy appreciation of other voices and talent now rather than oh I wish I was like that being like wow you've got that in your Mm. voice and you have this nice grit and you have this natural air quality and just seeing that we all have different voices is not actually about better or worse but it's just what is my gift and do you know what there'll always be someone who will fall in love with your gift so you haven't got to change because there's an audience for everyone. I often feel it's, it's very much like body image in that it's what you're given um, and what you're born with. Yes, you can change it with exercise and things like that, but often we can look at a body that literally we're never going to be because we just do not have that bone structure or we've got that rib unless you take that rib out. That's just not, it's unobtainable. But realising, well, what if it's beautiful anyway? It's just different to that version of beauty and there is going to be somebody who likes your version. And Absolutely. That's, uh, but that's easier said than done isn't it because so many people do struggle with 
the body they're given. Totally. And also, sorry to interrupt, it's also, it's like some body shapes or vocal, like the way the textures of voices are more celebrated um, yeah. at, in different Absolutely. seasons, um, you know, eras of music. And so if you don't have the kind of in voice, you might feel like, Oh, absolutely. You might not be able to make a career out of it. Definitely. I mean, one thing that I think boosted a lot of vocal coaching work for people was, you know, the prevalence of singing competitions and yeah. the talent shows that we have. But I have to say that that's, that sort of trend has been quite limiting as well. I don't know if you've ever noticed, whenever someone hits an incredibly high or loud note, everyone, everyone will claps. claps. Yeah. Like, who said singing really high and loud is good mm. singing? You know, what about the quiet, small, still voices that move us, that give us goosebumps? You know, they're not mm. celebrated enough. So a bit like the, the bodies, the faces on the magazines, we're told this is what's good. This is what we're cheer to. And I think that narrows people down, their own thinking, their own appreciation of their own talents. And if we're not careful, we'll influence audiences in a negative way as well, rather than letting them see what do their is love what's yeah. what moves them or even introducing people to um unusual to them um vocal sounds or you know textures and types and being like oh okay i didn't i've never heard that type of voice before and actually that really i like that i could listen to a whole album that of that sort of voice you know Absolutely. but they might not know yeah you know it's not celebrated and you know out there yeah is exploration I think everything is a journey mm -hmm. so not just the level of your vocal ability um, extending your range but actually finding your vocal identity that's probably mm -hmm. one of the biggest vocal journeys that an artist will go on um, and that will change and that will have hardships and there'll be truths and falsehoods yeah. in that until you get to that place where you're comfortable where you're like this is me this is my identity. I'm going to love it and embrace it, but also nurture it. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the bit as well that often we don't realise we can do. It doesn't and what stick around. What advice would you give to an artist who wants to find their vocal identity? Um, how do they go about it? Yeah, I think that's quite hard because generally how we learn anything is by copying. Mm -hmm. You know, when we start, when we're young and we're listening to our phone, you know, we're singing our favourite artist songs, we inevitably, even sometimes without trying and sometimes very deliberately, try to sound like them. Um, now, that in itself can be limiting, but the good thing about that, if you make your palette, spread it wide, and you listen to lots of different types of singers, mm -hmm. musicians, and then you're lending your voice to what they're doing, you're going to try a variety of things. And some of it will stick and sound right and feel right, and others will feel more false and I think generally a bit like Law said you can't act out of the the body the face the structure you have so even if you're trying to or you're taking on influences of of those that you admire mm -hmm. you're still going to have an element of yourself to it but if you vary that palette you're less likely to just be Adele in a box Tash yeah. does Adele um, but yeah. you're going to have those your take the, the soulfulness of that you like the honesty of that voice the grit of that voice and you might experiment because I think this is another key thing as well I think that artists don't realise you can change your voice that mm. isn't fake in it you know our voices are instruments that are very versatile 
And I actually encourage students to experiment and try a different sound. That's not you putting that on. It's just a color or a texture that you're, it's still you doing it. And we sometimes can think, oh, well, I can't do that because that's neat. Well, who else is doing it then? And sometimes for certain songs, we might need to adopt a tone that's right for that song or that part of a song. I guess if we were playing guitar, you'd use a pedal and effects exactly and you wouldn't go oh they're not as talented because they yeah use an and it you. doesn't like, oh, become cool. not a guitar yeah because that effect is being used so you know there's there's still obviously we can sort of go over the top you can you know we don't want to vocode or everything you know we've got some singers <laughs> singing like they have vocoders yeah. now but but that's an example of us hearing something and adapting our voice and taking things that of interest or trend or or that we like and enjoy and I think there is space to to do that and see what can my voice do some of the best singers are very you know their voices are so um instrumental you know they really push what what can it do like when someone's going crazy on a saxophone and then they do a squeak and a whistle and they come out and they can really go that you know they're making as many different sounds as that instrument physically can and some of the freest singers will do that and try that. They're not afraid. They're not afraid to, to sing ugly, to look ugly, and even make ugly, strange sounds in exploring what their voice can do. And I wonder what we would unlock if we were all a little bit more mm. open to trying that, even in our own practice time. So I guess there's, there's the voice we've got and the voice we're born with. But of course, um, part of what your profession is, is stretching that and finding out what it can do. Um, what can singers, what can artists do to um, find out what they may not have tapped into in terms of their own voice and how far do we take that before um, potentially some damage could be done? Um, but yeah, how do, how do we start to exercise and, uh, and yeah, find out what it, what it can do? Yeah, well, I think really it's about what we're talking about is training the voice. And, you know, even if someone has some natural talent, for example, as a a footballer, it's very normal for us to expect that they would get some training and that that generally comes from um, a coach Mm -hmm. and someone who understands the game really well. They're not necessarily a better footballer than the person they're training, but they know about you know, they're, they're very, they're an expert in their field. And so I think it's making sure that you find um, someone um, credible and that you connect with. And because we've spoken earlier about how vulnerable it is to seeing someone that you feel comfortable with and that can bring out those things and not make you feel crushed or too exposed about any mistakes you can. But essentially, it's about taking your voice regularly, um, seriously and doing work on it and realising that the voice you have doesn't have to stay as it is, mm. um, but it really can develop and change. One of the things that it surprises me how often, and often, you know, fairly experienced singers can come into my teaching room, but how it shocks them when I explain to them the voice is a muscle. Mm. And even if we sort of know that in our core, we don't think of our voice enough like a muscle and therefore yeah. treat it like one and therefore train it like one therefore look after it like a muscle Um, and one of the things I say to lots of people early on in lessons is this is so encouraging because basically every muscle in our body behaves in the same way in that muscles can get stronger if we work them out 
and treat them right, they can become more flexible, more versatile and stronger. They can't not. It's science. If we did 100 sit-ups every day, we would get that six-pack. We might not want to do that. <laughs> and then we've got to live with the results that we won't get. But the truth is that if everyone starts to work out their voice regularly um, and does that over a period of time, you can't not see changes because your voice is a muscle. It will strengthen. It will change. And that's incredibly exciting because a lot of people don't sort of invest any time in their voice and exp- and wonder why I can't hit those notes or have the stamina or why I'm losing my voice halfway through a gig or whatever. The voice is a muscle. So if you're not warming it up, if you're not training it, not just working it out at the event, at the race, but doing regular training leading up to the race, if you're not also careful to cool it down after the race, the event, then it's not going to perform at its optimum And the massively encouraging thing is that if you're not doing that already, if you start doing that, masses of changes are waiting for you to be seen. I think probably a lot of singers know about that they should warm up, but they don't know how or or what to do. And I know you've got a resource that you're going to share with us. We'll talk about that a bit more towards the end for um, I'm Independent listeners and and watchers now. Um, (laughs) But... Obviously, you've been doing this for a long time. Are there some common um, fears, um, blockers, um, issues that that come up time and and time again? And have they sometimes surprised you? Um, You know, you've worked with professionals, with famous people, and you've worked with children and uh, mums who want to, you know, are there some common issues? Yeah, there is funny enough, and it was quite interesting because I see the same thing come up a lot. And a friend of mine who's a really good vocal coach posted on his Facebook forum a question, what are the biggest things that hold you back vocally? And there was an array of answers from a mixture of um, artists, really established artists, people just starting out. And I read there was about 130 comments, and I read through it, and two things consistently came up. I was so surprised at how consistently these things came up and the biggest struggle or fear that people had the first one was um confidence Mm. and yeah just everyone it doesn't matter you know how long you've been doing this some people that we'd be really surprised still struggle with their confidence as as a singer as a performer um you know to the the person who's new to it and the second thing was um consistency of the voice and some people said how just sometimes I'm doing a gig my voice just seems on it it does everything I want it to do other days I wake up and I literally feel like I can't sing today Um, and in my experience I've heard that in the vocal coaching room so often as well Um, and actually I think to combat those two biggest fears comes a lot down to the same thing and it's it's about what said previously is about the vocal training because the co- biggest confidence builder is not feeling like you are out of control, that you are, uh, that someone else has the locus of control. And the more you train your voice so you understand what you need to do to get the results, and you know that when I go for that note, if I do this, this, and this, I'm going to have, you know, a 99% chance of getting it rather than. I hope I'm going to hit that note today. But you have the tools, basically. Mm. Um, You've been given the knowledge and you've put in the work and the time to know 
that um, basically you're going to be able to achieve what you want to achieve. And the more and more you do that and see that through your training and then the results through your performance, your confidence is going to go up because you realise, well, it's less to chance. You know, out of 10 gigs, nine of them, I did what I wanted to do. So you feel more confident because you believe and you see that the, the preparation is put in and the results are there. And the knock-on effect of that is, um, of course, that consistency then comes as well. It's the same sort of relating it back to the, the athlete or football or whatever. You know, how they're able to perform at the level they can consistently and have the stamina is the training. It's not just the natural talent that they've been born with um it's not just the lovely wage packet that these people i'm sure that helps and there, there are obviously other motivations but ultimately it's about what you put in and i think because we have this myth around singing that you know people are just born with this beautiful voice or not we tend to not put as much work into the voice as an instrument as we do to other instruments so many singer songwriters i would see put much more time and effort into their guitar playing and I've got to get better at playing my guitar. They take for granted the voice they have. Yes. <laughs> yes. Is, this, is this hurting a little yeah. bit? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. we don't expect to be fantastic at playing mm. a guitar or playing a piano. We expect to put in the work and if I train, then I'll be able to play that better. But our voices are instruments that don't have to stay where they're at. They really can get better and perform better with the more time and work that we put into them. And that's the reality of it. And I think when artists understand that and then they're willing to commit and start to put that work in, that's when they'll see, wow, the voice that I have now is not the voice I had a year ago. I was just going to say, before we ask Tash a few more questions, did you want to share a bit about your vocal journey, B, as, a, as an artist? And mm. um, consistently we get comments about how unique your voices and, and about your tone in particular but yeah just tell us a bit about your vocal journey <clears throat> um I I didn't grow up liking my voice because I wanted the the big voice and the the voice that can do all the things and I can do things but um you know rather have been Beyonce <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so um I, I, I my journey with my voice is been the journey to like my voice and to embrace it and to appreciate it for what it does um I all the things that you said is what I still struggle with I I think I struggle with less now because I sing more but not because I train mm -hmm. more but I because I sing more I feel like my voice is more consistent and maybe the singing is like doing a little bit of training you can tell me if that's not true um <laughs> so I, I feel like my voice is a little bit more consistent as I've gotten older but um uh I wish it was more consistent I like it more um I feel like I use my voice more on stage um because I like it more so I think my journey has just been that hmm. did you ask me questions I think um, I was just thinking about the fact that it's so important that we have representation in voices, like, yeah. again, to go back to the body image one, because I know a friend of mine who has got a beautiful voice who'd really struggled with embracing it. Like A turning point for them was hearing your voice oh. and them saying, oh, my gosh, I could, I could sound like that. And it, her voice isn't like yours, but it's a similar kind of tone. Right. And um, as a singer themselves, they were surrounded by 
singers who have these big voices, which mm. their voice just isn't like that. Mm. And to hear your voice and to have loved it so much, they're like, well, maybe I can love my own voice because that's that's, so cool. that's more in the vein, in the genre, yeah. in the style. Yeah. Um, and I just think it, it's just so important it that we, we hear different types of voices. And that probably would have helped me if I had found And maybe that's why I've been able to like my voice more because I like lots of uh, different types of voices and I appreciate, you know, different types of um, textures and sounds in the, in a voice, um, not just the big voice that can do all the things. Yeah. I, I love different vocals. So mm. and I think that's the thing now, maybe like, so many more independent artists out there, so much more music that you can listen to that's not necessarily mainstream, that actually you can find yourself yeah a little bit of yourself in somebody and and that and see them doing their thing and go okay cool like i love that so i can do it so that's probably exactly the same yeah. thing yeah you're saying. i think obviously we've talked about training tash in terms of strengthening the voice and and so that it can do more um but also just talk to us about why it's so important if for example you're going to go on a tour and just how easy it is to, to lose your voice how does it help that yeah, what do you do? Because, like, I just rock up. I'm not going to lie. I, yeah. I feel bad to say it. I just rock up on stage. Unfortunately, you are not alone, yeah. B. Um, I'm actually often shocked by how many, um, you know, regularly performing gigging artists will come for a few lessons generally because they've hit vocal problems. Mm. So they've been gigging, they've been on the tour, and they've lost their voice or they've realised they've not got enough stamina or they've got to a new level in their career. They've started working with a manager or a promoter and they've said, we like everything, but we really think you need to get yeah. some lessons. We're hearing some things that are missing here or, you know, the, the stamina's not there. Um, and a lot of it is just down to, to people just rocking up and thinking they can do the job without mm. putting the work in before. So, I mean, I again, I will, will sort of use that marathon analogy if you've got something like a tour coming up you're going to be using your voice more than you usually do yeah. night after night there's going to be a lot of adrenaline there you're you could quite well be in venues where the sound quality isn't great mm. so you're working your voice maybe harder than you need to there's a lot of background noise you're talking to people before and the real killer after a performance yeah. trying to be heard more um, artists lose their voice um, from speaking than singing it's that trying to shout and be heard over a crowded room mm. after you've done a full set mm. speaking to to fans or whatever afterwards yeah. that's a real killer for the voices and it's really difficult because obviously you want to communicate with people that are there um, appreciating your music but um, one key thing is actually having some rest time immediately after you've sung or making sure that you're disciplined enough to speak really quietly and get people to lean in to hear you rather than you speaking over um, the crowd. Um, and actually what I would say is someone needs to condition their voice ready to do the job. So before you do that tour, you need a month of consistently working out your voice and doing vocal exercises to get your fitness level up a level so that you can cope with the amount um, of singing that you're going to do. You need to raise the strength of your voice so that it, it has a stamina to deliver. Yeah. So a lot of people don't put in that prep beforehand. Then as well as talking at the end of gig, the second 
biggest killer and the one, like I said, I'm not, I, I'm less surprised now, but it is unbelievable to me that people try to do the job that they're trying to do without doing this. And this is warming up the voice before you perform. <laughs> I see that twitch. <laughs> oh my goodness. So many singers don't warm up their voice before they sing. Um, I'm, I'm still actively singing a lot now, generally with bands in function settings, and they can be really demanding gigs yeah. because you're singing the songs of 50 different artists who have different ranges. It's not necessarily your range. Vocally, very demanding gig. And the amount of the times I'm sort of there, the good little geek, like warming up my voice, and somebody like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, can I join in with your warm-up? Like, yeah, so you don't normally warm up your voice? No. And how is your voice? Actually, yeah, I've lost, I've lost it loads this week. That might be why. Mm. Um, so, so important to warm up your voice before you're mm. going to sing. In, if you want those results, yeah. but you also want to not damage your voice and strain the voice, you need to be mm. warming up the voice so it has the best chance mm. of doing the job. Not only on that night, but consistently. I've started steaming okay. before. Steaming's great. Is that good? Because I feel is really like I've felt the difference. So I've been like, you know, make sure like a few days before and in the day before, like steam. Yeah, steaming is good. In some ways, I would recommend doing it after you after. perform more than before. Because what steaming does is it takes inflammation down. Okay. And when you sing, your vocal cords are going to get inflamed. Mm. So whether you're singing correctly or not, you might mm. be singing with impeccable vocal technique the cords over time are going to get inflamed. It's just how quickly yeah. they're going to get inflamed because they're being worked. Okay. So everyone, no matter how good a singer they are, how good their technique is, after they've been singing for a certain amount of time, and like I said, for, for the advanced singer, that might be two hours. For the person who isn't well-trained, that might be 20 minutes. Yeah. But the cords are going to need help to come yeah. down and to bring that inflammation down and return to normal size again mm. and that's what steaming is great for so it's great for your rest periods okay. after the day after a gig after a tour um but if you're doing that to warm up that should come it's alongside not, exercises not a replacement it's not a replacement <laughs> no those muscles still need working not just relaxing so. okay. Just a quick reminder that we have a growing library of really useful videos on our YouTube page, including interviews with artists and music industry insiders sharing their experience and expertise. Search IMR on YouTube or visit our website www.iamindependent.co.uk. Inevitably, there's going to be a lot of singers who because I'm not warming up, but also some who have warmed up perhaps and do train, but get the flu or the mm. sounds really bad and they've oversung. So what if you're in the middle of a tour, you're halfway through or like an artist we all know on night one of the tour um, loses their voice and then you've got more gigs to do. What can you do if that happens? Should you cancel the tour? Should you not sing? Or are there things that you can do to, um, to to get through it? Yeah, I think it's a really tough call, that one, mm. because ultimately, if there's um, vocal fatigue is basically what has happened with that. And like I said, oh, that, that will happen quicker with an untrained voice, but you will get to the point of vocal fatigue 
no matter where. That's why we have really fantastic singers, well-known artists that yeah. have to cancel tour dates, you know, and people, I want them, they, I want, you know, I've paid my money. Actually, it's a human voice mm. and it's going to reach that point when it gets fatigued. Um, generally, the best thing to do is to stop singing and to not sing and to just give the voice complete rest. But sometimes that's just not possible, like on day one of a tour, perhaps. <laughs> um, so there are things you can do that will help to get you through. Generally, it will be to talk as little as possible in between singing. So you might need to be even stricter on that. As soon as I'm off stage, you're hiding in a back room and letting other people, letting your people do the talking mm. for you, selling your merch or whatever, because that's the time you're going to really damage it. Um, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Like water is kind of the miracle cure for so many mm. things vocally. And it's so simple, but goes a long way to drink more water than you think you Steaming can handle. Steaming must help. Absolutely. Soon. It sure Soon. does. It sure does. Steaming, you can absolutely throw that one in there <laughs> for sure. Um, but it's not just singers. I mean, the artist we're talking about actually is, is a spoken word and mm. rap artist. Mm. And it's not just for singers. If you're using your voice, at a volume, over a prolonged period of time, in not best conditions, you can experience vocal fatigue. And often that is something that we can bounce back from. Mm -hmm. So just to be clear, rappers should do all my Oh, absolutely. Everything I'm saying applies for rappers. It applies for spoken word artists. Actually, it applies for, for actors mm, and public, public speakers, speakers as yeah. well. I've trained many a teacher, a classroom mm. teacher, right. who's had vocal issues because, they're, again, they're in an environment where they're trying to be heard over a lot of noise by many people. And if you're not thinking about how you use your voice, which brings me to the next point. The other thing is just making sure that you're trying to use good vocal technique. It's there for a reason. There are two sides to this. So vocal exercises aren't just strengthening your voice and getting that stamina and muscular strength ready to sing. What they're also about is training you to use your vocal cords, the vocal folds, the muscles, everything in the, the safest way, in the best way. Um, and the more you practice with good technique, um, that means when you come to sing, you're, you're not practicing mistakes, you're not using your voice in an aggressive way, in a way that could be harmful, but you're using safe, practiced yeah. ways of using the voice. Um, so one, one simple thing is if you have got a sore throat or cold or whatever, is actually trying to position your sound very forward mm. behind your teeth. So rather than it all being at the mm. back of the throat where it can be rasped, that you're just trying to make your sound come here. A lot of people worry that this will change their sound. They won't sound like them. Uh, rappers, what, what, how can I do that? You know, I'm using my spoken voice. But actually, you will sound like you. In fact, you'll sound the most like you um, because we tend to talk from this more upfront position. So a lot of our natural vocal identity and our natural individual nuances are based in this upfront position. So just being mindful of placing your sound here and not letting everything be towards a soft palate at the back of the throat can be one thing that can take a little bit of strain off the voice as well. So knowing good technique, using good technique, um, working out the voice, doing exercises that train your voice um, to be used in the, the best and safest way and, and find good teachers and good techniques that align with that is one of them. Hydrating and then resting the voice as well as, of course, warming up. Um, so are there any foods that artists should and shouldn't eat in general or when they're before they're going to perform? 
I'll record. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I had another question, but I'll say that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, there are some generals, but a lot of the time I'd say sort of basically stick away from anything that doesn't feel good for you and others. So alcohol is, is generally thought not to be great, and actually it's because of the sugars that are in it more than anything else. Um, if I drink red wine, my voice just does not okay. want to perform very well at all. Mm-hmm. But then I've got others that say, oh, I use that as a loosener. That helps me sing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of it is just what works for you generally. But other things, obviously dairy, it's fairly obvious that it does coat mm-hmm. the voice. So anything that's too dairy rich, a lot of chocolate or milky products can make your voice very sluggish. Um, so that's probably best to avoid. So I know a lot of singers that will do milk substitutes if they know they've got a gig coming up and will avoid yogurt, chocolate, things like that. Or, or if you can't avoid chocolate, because, you know, it's a real thing, some of us can't, <laughs> stick with a dark chocolate, yeah. something that has um, less of the milk side. And how long before performance do you, do you cut stuff out? Generally for me, it will be on the day. So okay. I will stick away from the things that I know don't help me to sing well. Um, from that morning if you're singing in the morning then probably for the day before but I try and give a clear 24 hours before I'm going to sing sticking away from all the naughties and nasties for me Mm. Um, the do's are absolutely water all the time and room temperature is great Mm. so again for me and I know a lot of singers really cold water is not a good one so avoid that so the herbal teas are nice um warm um if you're having vocal issues um one really good natural thing you can do is um turmeric with hot water and actually if you add a big chunk of garlic and ginger Mm. with it as well sounds gross i affectionately call it garlic cack there's a few friends i have vocal teachers that tend to use this if we know we're struggling Mm -hmm. and you can just put it all in a pot and let it simmer for a day Mm -hmm. um, before you're going to be forming that Mm -hmm. evening and just keep sort of topping up cups full of it Um, but you know that all of those are like natural Mm anti-inflammatories so it's yes honey's Mm -hmm. good um, as a coater and stops um, coughing actually that's all that cough mixtures Mm -hmm. do I would stick away from the medicated ones because Honey's been shown to be as effective mm-hmm. as cost syrups, and it's mm-hmm. natural, mm-hmm. cheaper. Um, but some people do find honey a bit the same as milk products. Sometimes it'd be too gloopy oh, and, okay. and, and the sugar and, and can coat record. So mm-hmm. again, it's, it's really looking at what works for you, mm-hmm. but generally water is fantastic and warm water at temperature. And if you need a bit of therapy... Um, the turmeric, the garlic, the ginger, that stuff is really good. Lemon and ginger, is lemon a bit too strong? No, not at all. I mean, some I would have said lemon, but a couple mm. of times with those ingredients, I've put the lemon in and that went to a level of grossness that even I couldn't handle. Right. <laughs> so I try, gotcha. I tend to do lemon and ginger or, or the others the because it was yeah. just too okay. uh, uh, <laughs> too much only all so, of those only so much the too many there. ingredients yeah um, are, are there any things that you do before recording that as opposed to um performing or touring or is it the same sort of things that you need to kind of that's a really do? good question because actually i do warm up my voice differently if i'm going to record mm-hmm. um there's such a thing as as warming up too much or going over warm 
And sometimes in a live gig setting, that's okay. Like your your voice is so pumped and ready and you've got mm. the adrenaline and, and you're going to be singing loudly and yelling and going for it. But if you get to that place and you need to record a vocal that's very low in key and in volume, very intimate and small, I found for me sometimes my voice doesn't perform mm. like that. If I've got to that really, I've warmed up my voice ready for the big full-on notes. So you've, you almost lose a bit of tone. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the almost the relaxedness, the laziness that you might want for a particular song. And when you're thinking about recording, you know, it, it's so exposed, isn't it? And we don't have to work as hard. The mic's mm. right there. You haven't got yeah. so. Actually, sometimes we want a quite understated vocal because that's right for a song. And if the voice is already and you're going in, having warmed up and with the mentality of live performing, you're not probably going to get the feel that you want. So it's not just thinking about, I suppose, how you want to deliver that song and how you'd use the voice. Sometimes I wouldn't warm up my voice for as long if I know I want that kind of thoughtful, just throw away, spoken real close to the mic sort of vocal on a recording. I'd still warm up my voice, but probably to sort of a halfway point. Interesting. That's cool. Um, that's really, really good, because I didn't think, I thought you were going to say just the same level of mm. um, warming up. Um, and another thing I wanted to ask was, um, what sort of um, equipment or things do should artists have in their arsenal? Should they, um, and that's going to probably lead on to some things that you've kind of discovered um, and working with now, but um, should we spend money on stuff? I think you should always make sure things are tried and tested. Mm. Um, I think it's really good for every singer to have a good vocal warm-up. But actually, there is a lot of stuff available on YouTube, yeah, free. There's stuff, there's always something. The problem is not always tried and tested. You don't know, is this good? Is this safe or whatever? So try to sort of go with recommendations or whatever, try things out. Um, but generally, when you're warming up the voice, you want to start low key. Um, you want to ease in with something, generally humming. Um, and you want to do scales. And that's really important because as boring as it can seem to do scales, I know quite a lot of singers say, well, I just sing up during my first song. I, aren't I warming up my <coughs> voice by Sorry. singing a song? Was that an uncomfortable cough? No. <laughs> Have you done that? Yeah. <laughs> no. You just had to come, like, I'm not going to interrupt, I'm not going to interrupt. I just had to come out. Sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the problem is a lot of songs actually have a fairly limited range within them. So if you're using a song to warm up your voice, yeah, you're generally true. only warming up the, the notes in that song. So scales are really important because you are making sure you're warming up every note in your range. Um, a new bit of equipment that I've been introduced to recently are the vocal tubes. Mm. Um, and again, I say tried and tested. I'm actually in the process of doing my own trial on these at the moment. Before I will go and shout out from the mm. rooftops about it, I try everything myself first before I recommend things to people. But it's basically using um, water hy hydration and water pressure therapy mm. to train your voice and to warm up your voice. Um, so yeah, read up on them, vocal tubes. I think they are fairly inexpensive and really based on science 
and tested by not only singers but vocal therapists as well. Um, so there's a good bit of credibility behind them. Um, so I can see that becoming a good bit of equipment mm. in my gig bag. Um, but generally, it you don't have to spend a lot of money. It's about putting in that time to doing your workout. Mm. And it literally could be 10 to 15 minutes. And you can do it on the way to the gig if you're driving mm. in the car. A bit more awkward if you're on the tube. Yeah. But mm. just having that time to do something as simple as some low-level humming... But something that will just, even if you don't play very well, but you've got a keyboard, even on your phone, go up in semitones mm. and just sing a little riff. But you're trying to consistently move up and down a scale. So the main thing I'd say, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. And actually, it doesn't have to be expensive either. But you want to make sure you're using the right type of exercises mm. that are tried and tested and you know that it's good sound technique. Mm. So if somebody hasn't been to any vocal coach lessons, have any experience at all, uh, and obviously we would advise them to to look into that. Um, So two questions really. Um, What should people look for in a good vocal coach or or vocal uh, uh, singing teacher? So there's lots out there. And uh, secondly, what are the most important basics? If you do nothing else, do this Mm. kind of things. Yeah, I'd say we're looking for a vocal tutor. And I say this to people that come to me for the first time. Don't necessarily go with the first person. Mm. Um, I do think, like any close kind of training, coaching relationship, you have to have a good relationship with the person. So it's not just about what they're teaching, but how they're teaching it. Again, I'll say it probably third time in this podcast, singing is a really vulnerable thing. And I think you need to feel safe and be able to let your walls down and be willing to make mistakes be willing to sound awful and like a strangled cat in front of some people in your journey and your process to finding out the best of your voice and you actually really have to feel quite comfortable and supported with someone to go there and to do that um, then obviously you want to make sure that they've got good sound knowledge as well um, so if possible speak to students that they already have see what kind of testaments there are on their websites and especially if they're um, general singers or in, in, in public they've got Facebook or Instagram links send them a message how are they as a vocal coach you know I would totally welcome anyone asking and finding out about me and most students I have are from a recommendation anyway and it's like anything that we're not sure about if you can have a recommendation, you know that you're not just cold calling and it's not just someone sort of spouting all the stuff. But I would generally want to make sure that a vocal um, coach would be really hot on vocal safety. They're not just about, I can get you sounding exactly how you want, but they're very hot on safety and using your, uh, including things like warming up the voice and make sure they're giving you things to do with um, in between lessons, not just in the lesson. There's no short quick fixes but they're really in it for teaching you about the longevity of your the journey of your voice um and that they're also not too that they're open-minded to work with you in the areas that you want to stretch yourself um Mm. in an honest way Mm. um yeah how much um should you pay for coaching lessons Mm. It's always more than people think it should be. Um, It's not a cheap thing, but I will um, say that all of the best um, coaches I know probably start from £50 up Mm. an hour. Um, And 
really you're getting you are getting what you pay for you're getting someone who's really experienced um who really doesn't just teach in a blanket way but is tailoring what they're teaching to the person um but within that i i always i mean i remember when i was starting out singing and as a teenager my family couldn't afford vocal lessons and i would never want someone to miss out um if this is their thing they're doing in their dream and they just can't haven't got the money to invest in lessons so a lot of teachers myself included will consider half hour lessons rather than hour lessons um sometimes payment plans or if you if you commit to a group of lessons there can be a discount and if someone's really struggling and for example if they're on benefits or anything like that um, then I would always adapt and um, my rate and give concessions for that I'd never want someone to sort of miss mm. out on lessons because they couldn't afford it but at the same time I would say it is worth saving your pennies yeah. for the teacher that you want and it is worth investing in it because we'll do it for the makeup, for the clothes, for that amazing guitar, mm. it is something worth spending money on. Yeah. So, good. so the, the, if there's one thing you do, or if there's a few things, if you do nothing else, do this, what would, what would be your answer? If you do nothing else, get into the habit of warming up your voice ah. before gigs. Ah. Ah. Yeah, Similarly, it could <laughs> be as little as that, a little bit of that. So some simple humming, mm. just making sure you don't go cold into mm. a gig setting, but you're doing 15 to 20 minutes even of um, low level singing and gradually building in rage and intensity before you come to sing. So you're you warming up. say singing for people who don't know. What yes. So I'd say um, humming rather than making an open vowel sound and making sure that you're singing just in your low range to begin with and then starting to expand the range and then working on the higher notes once things have loosened up. Mm -hmm. So don't, some people think, well, I'll just sing as loud and as hard as I can straight away because that will warm up my voice quicker. Um, generally, the voice doesn't like that. It likes to warm up, warm up slow and gradual. So take your time and get the voice at its own pace, ready to perform, ready to work. And why is um, breathing and, and supporting in, in the right way so important? Yes, we haven't talked about breathing, but um, breathing is really important. But funny enough, I never... To keep you alive, <laughs> because we wouldn't be here without it. Um, but I never actually spend more than one lesson on breathing, because, again, it doesn't have to be complicated. And I do think, you know, one little sign of perhaps a, a teacher you might consider not spending too much time with if they, they go into anything too overcomplicated and scientific about things like breathing it, it actually doesn't need to be yes. um so breathing is really important because it's um foundational it's a fundamental thing but once you know how to do it correctly in a singing context you've got it it's like riding a bike it shouldn't leave you and as long as you practice that and funny enough you might have to practice it to begin with because you've got to get rid of bad habits and unhelpful ways of breathing so you've got to learn how to breathe in the optimum way for singing but once you have it um it's there it's locked in and yeah I guess we might give away some of those secrets of how yes. <laughs> it's yeah. not really any good singing teacher should be able to show you um how to do that and uh, generally it's about low based breathing but any good vocal coach should be able to tell you how to do that well, it's, it's all been so helpful like even I think 
as us who've been in music for a long time, just mm. being reminded of why it's so important. It's, it's like many things that we know that we should do, eat yeah. better, exercise, those things that we're like, oh, why don't I do it more? Mm. And we feel so much better when we're doing it because then we can perform it at the top of our game. Um, but I think the thing that's consistently come up throughout this that you've talked about is obviously warming up and training your voice. And obviously, ideally, that would be with a vocal coach. But um, I know that you have produced a product which you're going to exclusively make available for I Am Independent uh, subscribers. So just um, tell us a bit about that, because you've just, with your many hats of psychology and music, you've, you've started a, a new account on Instagram where you're going to be focusing on vocal health, aren't you? Yes, so um, I Want to Sing Vocal is going to be all things vocal. I, um, I Want to Sing Vocal. Yes, with a number two, I Want to, I want to, to sing, sing Vocal. vocal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, hopefully what I'm going to make available for people is an extensive workout that will include warm-ups, so things you can do before you sing, but that's also for um, training and vocal stamina, so building up strength. Um, there'll also be an area that is based around technique and, and training the voice to do specific things you might want to improve. For example, getting greater flexibility in your voice, extending your upper range, extending your range down, which a lot of people don't put time into. But So there'll be some exercises based around that stuff. And then there's also a bit of stylistic training as well. So a bit on um, vocal delivery and performance skills and ad-lib in training as well. Um, so it's generally going to be in three sections, but that first section, warm, um, basically a readily available, can be done in 10-15 minutes, bung on vocal workout that you can do before a gig and maybe three times a week to keep your vocal strength up mm. is going to be made available. And that doesn't matter... Um, what gender you are or what your range is or yeah there will be two versions so there'll be a version for male voices and a version for female voices so you need to make sure you download the right one um, and that is important to know as well one of the things when I was putting this product together I found that there were a lot of generic products out mm. there and a lot of it was very female vocal led mm. as well um, and sometimes the same exercises will work for the for male and female voice but it's just really helpful to hear the demonstrations done in the voice that you have. So if you're a female hearing a female do the demo and if you're a male hearing a male. So there are two versions and um, the male version in the more advanced, so the complete version has includes things like falsetto training and a different range that is specific to the male voice other than the female voice. So That's yes. fantastic. So good. So um, they will be available as free downloads, free MP3 downloads. And all you need to do uh, to access that is to make sure you're subscribed at iamindependent.co.uk uh, and make sure you're following I Want to Sing Vocal on Instagram with a number two. And of course, we are independent artists on Instagram as well. So if you can tick those three boxes, then that free warm-up will be for you. And it'd be great to hear from some people and how they, they get on with it as well. Yeah, I guess you'd like some feedback as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It'd be really good to hear if um, people are finding it a useful tool. And What sort uh, of things are you going to be um, sharing on a... Your account. So I'll be um, talking about any products that I found that will help with vocal training. I'll be trying to get rid of um, some of the myths out there about things that we have to do as singers that are unhelpful and hopefully giving people tips about the things that we should and can all do that are readily available to us as well. Um, so yeah, and I'm really interested to hear from singers what they want to hear yeah. and what would be useful. What have you found that's missing? What stops you from working out your voice and doing the vocal exercises? What makes it so difficult? What puts you off? Is there something that 
those of us in the know can do or repackage things in a way that would be more palatable to, for you. So I'd be really interested to, to hear from people about that. That's so good. It's been so, it actually has been so helpful and it's made me want to take care of my voice like consistently. I do start lessons and then I just tail off. <laughs> um, oh, okay. I, okay, now we're done. But I just have one more question. Should you take singing lessons forever? Yeah, um, it's a really good question. I would actually say yes, but it doesn't mean you have to have them every week. Right. So a lot of really established um, singers might just check in once a month, every two months, every six months with, a vocal, you know, checking that there's no bad habits or whether some new techniques or exercises have come out that a vocal coach can pass on to them. Initially, if you're at the start of your journey and you haven't done much mm. training on your voice, I'd say get some consistency and do some regular. Once you've got a good handle, good knowledge on um, vocal technique that works for you, it's about maintenance. And most of that can be done if we're disciplined ourselves mm -hmm. at home. But it's always good to check in with that coach because they're the ones that are going to see where you're slacking and yeah. rein you back in again where things have got a bit rusty. And if someone did want to book you for singing lesson, where can they contact you? Yes, they can actually go to my website, which is www.iwanttosing.co.uk. Um, and yeah, you can contact me on there. And I think there's a link to my calendar, what lesson availability, but you can certainly email me and um, I'll give you all the info. So good. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for coming so much, on Tash. and sharing the wealth. Thank you. See ya. <laughs> and don't forget to sign up to our mailing list where you'll receive a free 10 day guide especially designed to inspire and equip independent music artists with some really useful practical and inspirational resources sign up at www.iamindependent.co.uk for more great content from i am independent find us on social media at we are independent artists check out our spotify playlist for new music from independent artists search we love independent music <laughs>